0: It's Dear White People, the podcast. My name is Rafi. And thank you for being a friend. It's your girl, Nunu Parish, y'all. And this is... Wait, don't, don't do it. it. The show we tell you to... Wait! Help us this out. And vote so we don't have to deal with World War Three. It's an interesting first few days of 2020.
1: But it's the new year, girls. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's January 3rd, and I was like, Nunu, we have to record because World War Three is upon us, and I have to find my next hand to hide in. <laughs>
0: And more importantly, we're really just here to introduce our next guest, Julie, who's going to talk to us about allyship and the importance of it as we use our privileged identities to help marginalized groups
1: of people. Even though we do come from a place of privilege, yes, Nunu is a drag queen and I am a queer man, I still believe that we need to acknowledge that we do come with male privilege. And sometimes when you're a male, or especially when you're white, Um, People hold more weight to what you have to say. Period.
0: Um, The holidays have just passed, so we really hope that all of our listeners have, especially those who are white or privileged, use their time to talk to their family members who may not be as enlightened, um, especially the state of affairs now that we're going to war. Impeachment (laughs) has been... Not, voting, not the senate, not canceled, but you know, um, reelections elections upon us, um, and we need to figure out ways to uplift all of us as human beings and as people, and not just as political parties.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. However, on the daily, I um, like I said, I've been in less toxic white spaces and more uplifting spaces. However, I will say, going in, like now that I haven't been so invested in these toxic places. It's even more triggering to walk back into them because I I see that now everyone's talking about what's going on with the government, but when we had kids in cages, when we had we that travel ban, cages. No, we, we still have kids in cages. Someone from Nigeria just died in, in under ICE detainment, by the way. Yes. So. Um, the, the Islamic travel ban. All oh, those yeah. things. No one was talking about that when that was going on. And now everyone's up in arms. I'm like, then talk to your family members. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to... Well, they don't talk to me. <laughs> but don't talk to your white friends about it who think like you. And don't really think about the situation past the surface level. Period. Yeah, absolutely. I do think people are
0: Aware of how real it is, you know. I just came back from a trip from Asheville, North Carolina, uh-huh. with all my friends, just reading the new year. And it, while I did enjoy it, it was hard for myself and my boyfriend to honestly be in, in that space, and it's for multiple reasons. Um, as you know, last season on our podcast, all three of us were involved in the Capital Pride uh pandemic, I'm
1: yeah,
0: um, wherein you know. The idea of someone shooting caused such panic and disrupted the Pride Parade. Yeah. We were walking in where we had to really hide in multiple spaces, um, which, you know, really brought about that sense of danger. And then to go into this space, which a lot of people, a lot of white people, mm-hmm. but a lot of people we regard as diverse and cultural is just interesting because it was still all white. Was,
1: oh, because people I, always talked about asteroids as being very diverse and, and progressive, and, and, and the New York of the South. And
0: while I'm going to the Bojangles, and I go into the Bojangles, and I walk, see people would keep America Great hats, you know, and I see the stairs. It's 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 a reality for us, it, and it. It's upsetting. It's off-putting, and I do think it's kind of an attack on not only mine but you know other people of color who live in these areas constantly or in these spaces constantly. It's attacking our mental health, and then, you know that's what's imp- impacting so much the progression of our culture, our race, our, our species, essentially.
1: Does North Carolina feel different to you going back in Trump America than it did? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, it's so weird and honestly just really surreal because. I used to be in that space, and I used to work in the same kind of counties and be in those kind of schools, and I felt very okay. I felt very safe, and I felt very—I I wasn't aware of, you know, all the all the underlying tensions and what were microaggressions and what were, were specific things to subvert, you know, progress for racial um, rights as well as— LGBTQ rights, it, it, it's just very interesting to go back because you just see it all now, and you can see how divided it's been since 2016, um, and, I, and I grew up there most of my life, and I never felt that before until there, you know, you feel more comfortable, more here, where it is more, it's more yeah. diverse, despite us being the center of attack for World War Three.
1: Me going back to Surrey County was interesting. Um, Because I'm from North Carolina, too, and uh, my family still lives lives down there. And I I, I mean, I make a specific point to not go out in North Carolina. I don't go to the Walmart anymore. I went with my dad one time, and it was dead, thank God. Um, Right, but the thing is, I talked about this with my boyfriend.
0: I just, I think that we have to... Talk out those thoughts because we noticed that we were the only ones initially in the group who were feeling these feelings, and we were like, I don't want to just go randomly out of places and backwoods. You know, we're next to, you know, we're an Airbnb on a small little road. You know, our neighbor has a shotgun, was yeah. shooting shit in the backyard, yeah. and it's like white man, like and we're like camping in the woods out here. And while these things are just. But there was, you know, di- it was a diverse group though, wasn't it? It was a diverse group, but it was not a diverse area. Like, I. I had to get used to being the only black people in the restaurant. Again, yeah, but
1: which, you're the... you're. I'm saying, but like to the other people, like there was Asian people there, right. there was another black man. Did they not feel... Like, I don't think they felt
0: uncomfortable because not only do they still live there. live there or in the area, but they are, I think, being heterosexual and possibly a Christian kind of puts you in a different way. Also being desirable, I do think. Being an Asian woman is very desirable. A white in man, and especially <laughs> in Carolina. It's a thing. It's just a thing. So I, I think they have the privilege. Um, but there's another at. one. There's another one that was from DC that was there, and he's brown. But maybe being with a person a, a white band. That's what we had Matt do everything. I, mean, I could, Oh, I could. I could. Totally we did. You know, around. actually, a yeah. stranger came to our house, like this white guy, and while we were doing something. And the way the Airbnb was set up, it was kind of—it wasn't like sketchy. It's just that the owner didn't have any blinds on anything, so the windows were so the windows were open except for like in the bedroom. It so was like like the back door. There was no blinds. The front because in the living room. Yeah. that's horrifying. It's, yeah, it was horrifying right. So white guy comes out in the middle of the game. We're all like, we're like Matt. Matt goes to the door. It's spread out. Because I, I think I think it's a reality. I mean, that's a funny situation, but the reality is we, as a group of color, felt that Matt needed to handle the situations to yeah. go into the stores to make sure yeah. that things were okay. And what I found in Asheville was that it is not as diverse, but the white people are not uh, off-put. You know, they are welcome to interact with you. I, even though I was the only black people in the restaurant, That people were so very friendly and nice. But, so, But you did still see Trump people. Yes, and it wasn't in actually downtown Asheville, but you know any outlying part of Asheville, which is most of yeah. Western North Carolina, is that. So I, so I did see that. I did see all the stereotypes, the trucks, the guns, the banners, yeah. the whatever, whatever.
1: I had to get out. And That's Brazil. Virginia. I had to get out of Virginia to put gas, and I, I have to think of yeah. You know, and
0: even you have to that. be aware of where yeah. you go get. Like, that is such a stressful yeah. thing. Like we had to on this eight-hour drive, had to find. Like, I
1: want to make sure it's stop. on a road. It's on a it's road. On a road. What, what, yeah. what then, like where? with other stuff
0: like restaurants next to it. What Matt. Had had to do was literally go on Google Maps and find where the next college town was in Virginia because college town tends to be more open and liberal and find a place and it actually did work but like that's what you have to do because you just can't stop anywhere you
1: can't at all at all and that's crazy. And we're men. We're men. So, I, like I said, I've been watching a lot of, not to be off too, but off the course, but I've been watching a lot of um, those murder mystery shows, and it's crazy. Every single victim I've seen that been murdered has been a woman by either their jealous boyfriend, a first date that got turned down after the second date. It's just like... It's astounding to me how I do realize now, way more that I'm a man, so I feel a lot safer going into things. But imagine being like a, a black woman, like I said, like or the I, unprotected. The I unprotected do not person. feel
0: safe like at all. But I do re- have to consciously realize that my stature and my look yes. make me feel safe. Yes, yes. That's so what I'm I have saying. to like be confident. Yeah. But I'm like, oh my gosh.
1: That's oh, why I, I, I mean, I walk. I mean, to be real, I walk around D.C. with a white fur coat. Um, and I And I Obviously I feel safe For so uh, fur Yeah for fur I always make sure to say that Because you never know About these crazy um, People that hate fur um, Not that it's like, Y'all are crazy but. <laughs> Same that I was like, "Why did you say that?" <laughs> Not the crazy, but I mean, if you throw red paint at me, if I'm wearing my white fur, I'm gonna call you crazy. Um, um, so I want I sashay, Shante, all that with my white and fur coat. I feel safe. However, I do have to carry that energy with me because I do feel like I could, because I'm gay, I'm brown, I'm, I could be a target in a white fur coat. I'm clearly gay, probably. I could have money, all those things. But I noticed, like I said, I you got to walk around asserting yourself because you have, I don't, I couldn't imagine, uh, to end the point, I couldn't imagine being a female because that is a stress that I, that stress that I'm starting to realize could really like... Affect somebody, right? No, yeah. I mean, I never took that as a until now,
0: right? I mean, in any gender studies class, you'll learn that you know the threat of rape in general for any uh, person identified as a woman is is so real. Yeah. Um, just because there is so much victim blaming and yeah. no accountability, but we even know males encounter this and still because of the stigmas will not get the treatment or help they or they need. But I think it's important to know that you're. People, people of color in your life uh-huh. I have to go through all these mental strains Like yeah, I have to think period. about what I look like How I'm presenting myself Where I'm going all the time I realize certain things like you know what I think makes me less Threatening? Uh-huh. Having glasses
1: you, you, I, you actually Did bring that up and you always I remember one time you said this And it never, I never forgot it but you like I just want to always come across as non-threatening Right. And, and I, remember never saying that. That. I, I never thought that. I never understood
0: that. And my we had a diversity training when I was a teacher in this mm-hmm. really non-diverse school or county, really. And I remember saying that in the group and they were like, what? Because <laughs> I was the only black male teacher then. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just come across as a non-threatening black guy. And they were like, What? <laughs> like it's true like that's what you have to do that's why people are okay with me or white people are okay with me around Is that,
1: that yeah I mean, that's true yeah that's true but what, <laughs> how they react because that could not be true they're kind of like ha
0: ha ha I was like it's kind of real it's real and I, have, I mean the younger people are like yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's real, and, and, I, and I have that, and I have that privilege because some people don't have that demeanor, that personality, oh. you know, they've been through things, or they just have—that's not their their nature, which is okay, mm-hmm. and they have to navigate it in different ways. Because if you are raised or you come across mm-hmm. more aggressive, then you are put in more danger yeah. when versus someone who may just be more passive in general or know how to control those emotions. Mm-hmm. But do we do that in schools? Do we do that for our children?
1: Oh. I wouldn't say so. No. Um, Hence the importance of allyship. (laughs) So wrapping up this episode, I just want to, like I said, I can't wait for you guys to hear Julie. Julie really exemplified. I understood Julie because, first of all, we're both from... New York, New York New York. No, she's from New Jersey. New, no, she was in Long Island. Long Island. Yes, Nassau County. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, yeah, so we're both from New York. Um, again, she comes from Italian Jewish culture. Uh, Italian J- Jewish is very, that, like, that culture resonates with me because, again, it's part of the New York attitude, but also I grew up a lot around a lot of Italian Jews, and those cultures intermix. There's a lot of first-generation inherited traumas that I see correlate with being Central American as well so I just really relate to her and and like I said that's the importance of allyship is because if you're an ally and you really have these conversations then you get to know the person and they don't feel like this person that you can't relate to and I know like I said um, I'm just so glad that we interviewed her because this past I mean 2019 was just about cutting all the people that I just felt like didn't have true allyship Um, because it's you can't be friends with somebody and just have. You can't be friends with an idea of somebody. You have to really encapsulate their struggle and think, think beyond yourself sometimes. And I, I, I really, like I said, Julie just really reminded me of the importance because I again wasn't like, why are we talking about white people in these on our podcast? But then we do have to address allyship because it is part of the LGBT and it's a part of um, all the movements that encapsulate. Um, civil rights for race so so
0: sit back realizing you're ready to listen with our interview with the incomparable Julie C thanks for listening adios Mwah.
1: We're flipping tables today. I'm Rafi
0: Manzor. And you guys are a bunch of prostitution horses. It's your new parish, y'all. And this is Wait, Wait don't, don't Do It. it. The show retail YouTube. Wait! Please welcome our special guest, my home girl, all the way from Long Island, Julie Colatrella. Nassau hey. County up in the house! <laughs> Where are you from Nassau? Is that yes,
2: on the County? Yes. Nassau County? I'm from Nassau County. 516, you know. Oh, 516. <laughs>
1: I'm from the 516. You, five six. you want to fuck with the 516. Uh-uh. Two one two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout <out> okay, Azalea. <laughs> okay,
2: Azalea.
0: <laughs> um. Wow. We're back again for another amazing interview for Wait, Don't Do It. I'm very excited to meet our next Julie.
2: Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready.
1: So, icebreaker. Yes. What uh? What are you anticipating today?
2: I don't know <laughs> at all because I was told I was gonna be asked about art and now I'm not sure if we're gonna be on that topic at all, but I know it's gonna be a fun ride, we're no matter talk what. About everything. We're talking about everything. So what are we talking
0: about? Oh my gosh. So the day's goal is to shed light on how to break the cycle of intergenerational family oppression and discrimination as people with one or more marginalized identities. In layman's terms, you know, how does Julie, with her white Christian straight identity, deal with? Opera? <laughs> do I have
2: a white Christian straight identity? Just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how do you identify?
2: Um. Well, I am white, so that part is, that part is correct. Italian Jew. I am an Italian Jew. Yes, oh, wow. I was born in New Jersey, We're raised two on marginalized Long Island. Jews in white culture. I really, I'm the. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know if Italians are still marginalized, but anyway, I am an Italian from New Jersey I'm also a Jew from Long Island so oh. I have all of that wrapped up into one and I'm also gay so that, that's fun
1: well I heard there's a legend behind Julie what's the legend of Julie? the
2: legend the yeah, legend. because
1: he like he talks about you all the time oh my I, god I, I, yeah I uh, so tell us about I, yourself where did it all start how was growing up in Nassau because honey I remember my experiences in Long Island
2: yeah Long Island sucks um, <laughs> well I was born in New Jersey and mm. I didn't move until my parents got divorced when I was eight And so then I moved to Long Island because my mom's brother lives there or lived there at the time. And so we moved in with him and his wife. And so it was my aunt, my uncle, my mom and me all living in a house together for about a year. Um, And that was very awkward, as, like, you can maybe imagine, and my family's, like, not the most loving people, so, like, I just, like, I felt like a guest in that Mm -hmm. house, like, all the time. Especially as
0: the only child, and an only child.
2: Right, yeah, I'm an only child, which I feel like made everything worse, and, well, it did, because, like, (laughs) none of my cousins were my age either, and so, like, I really was, like, the only one my age. Do
1: you think your queerness has something to play in that, too? Because I feel like I sometimes felt like a guest in my own house,
2: too. Yeah, no, I always felt like a guest in my own house, and then it, it came back. Exactly. I guess I'll come back to that later, but it yeah. does, it does come back eventually. Okay, we'll, we'll I became one. That. Yeah, it <laughs> was still, still, still in the beginning. So,
0: yes. <laughs> you know, I met Julie in a lovely grad school interview. She's wearing this flamingo like shirt blazer, right? I'm
2: sure I was. Oh uh, yes, about right, <laughs>
0: and I was so intimidated.
2: Oh my God, what? Why?
0: You said you were competition. I was like, like your fear. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna get this program? Oh my God, this stop. girl, but we both in here. so does that
1: <laughs> Yes, exactly.
0: Um, and we really just wanted to... It's something I really admire about you is that you're white, but you also have learned to come from a toxic kind of family background that deals a lot with like prejudice and racism and be able to kind of break that cycle and be an ally for... Obviously, being a queer person, we're allies to our own people, but also other races, other identities. And um, our program focused like so much on multiculturalism, you know? Yeah. Um, and I loved hearing your takes on life.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely... A long process, and obviously I'm I'm never done growing, but um, my dad is, is very Republican and very conservative. He is definitely a Trump supporter. He is, like, mini Trump. And you so just saw your dad.
0: How was that?
2: It was not good. <laughs> it was really not good. Um, I tried to be good. I talked about it with my therapist before he came, oh, yeah. and she was like, you can, like— maybe not engage with the political stuff, and I was like, totally, totally, I'm going to be zen, 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 and then we got in the car, and I immediately started screaming at him, because <laughs> he was being rude to our waiter, who English was his second language, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, if he spoke English, then blah, 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 and I, like, immediately cut him off, I was like, you'd still get the same answer, because he did answer your yeah. question, whatever, and then it just, like, escalated and escalated, yeah. eventually, I was, like, screaming at him. So we have a very tense relationship. Mm -hmm. We've always had a tense relationship. I've always known that he was, like, a bigoted Republican racist, like, and not a huge fan of gay people. And so, like, when I was first realizing that I was gay, it was very hard to not get my, like, heart and soul involved in Mm -hmm. all of our arguments about politics. So, like, they say, like, the personal is political, and, like, truly it is, like, Every time we had a political argument, I'd be, like, crying and screaming as, like, like a 14, 15-year-old child, basically, because, like, he was, like, hurting me. Like, yeah. he was talking about me, but he didn't know he was talking about me. And so, like, I think just from having had that experience, like, I got used to fighting and, like, crying mm-hmm. and being raw and not agreeing with him about a lot of things.
1: Because you said, are you an only child? Yeah. Okay, so you don't have any uh, siblings to like kind of test how they would have turned out. Nobody can
2: mitigate the craziness. Nobody's there for anybody else to focus on. I think that made everything so much more intense. and it's
0: hard when they don't know. I remember in North Carolina, I don't know if you remember this. It was HB1 or it was like something. (laughs) It was like some house bill that was like Criminalize, like you know, make sure gay marriage really not. Oh, a,
1: not I a, remember that. Yeah, right? that was and like I, a I went to bro. vote,
0: and then my mom voted, and this is where I came out. Okay, and my mom voted for. I was like, the whole time I was like you have over this <laughs> please do not vote for this yeah um and it, it's just such a frustrating that delay. when
1: that when that passed that day in North Carolina I remember that time I was like damn I repeal later yeah hey. but like I, but that's when I felt like this is never gonna end I really felt like I was never gonna be happy as a gay man and they don't under people don't understand like and I'm sure like your your parents probably did like when you had those younger conversations with them they were like oh well this is just teen angst right of course. They, like, dismiss it. But, like, the fact that you're a fully-fledged adult with a master's degree, uh, instilling values in kids, you would think that would have, like, a effect on anything. She's a counselor, too, and y'all yeah. have to content. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. And that's, so that's, like, what part of our fight was about this weekend with my dad. I was, like, because I was, like, screaming. We, it was mostly centered around immigration, and mm. a lot of the kids that I work with are immigrants. Yeah. and And I don't ask their status, but a lot of them... Maybe yeah. that's in question right now. Yeah. And and so they're scared, and they don't know what they're going to do after high school, and college yeah. is a big question mark for them. So, And I feel that every single yeah. day, and I yeah. talk to them every single day about it. Yeah. And, like, I talk to their families, and they're stressed, and it's just terrible. So anyway, so when my dad is, like, basically, like, shitting all over that, I'm, like, you're, like, breaking my heart. Yeah. Like, this is what I fight for every single day. Yeah. And you're, like, taking it and throwing it on the ground. So...
0: So we talked about your dad, and I, 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 I love this allyship you keep saying. Um, within your speech in general your rhetoric Um, let's talk about your mom I could name names but if you know Julie you know her mom you
2: her know my mother hello I oh, <laughs> love it she's I, honey I live for a good oh girl she's in New the
1: Jersey, room right now honey that's why I watch The Real House in New Jersey I, I know. love a it good not like it. she
2: hear the voice now, she it's, ri- it's not she really does sound like that and I've done it for her on the phone she's like I don't sound like that I'm like you really do though and then I play a voice Mail for people, and they're like, "Wow, you're not exaggerating." I'm like, no, like "I'm really that. not." Like,
1: I love. Oh my a good god, and she Italian curses woman. twenty
2: times more yeah. than me too, and she's always like, "Julie cursing's not <laughs> fucking ladylike. You shouldn't curse like a goddamn sailor." <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Exactly, yes. she's terrible. She's a hot mess.
0: But so you, but you grew up with your mom. Yeah. So how? What? What did you see in terms of prejudice, discrimination? What did you see there? Yeah,
2: so my dad, while my dad was like a raging ball of, like, Trump fire and hatred, like, (laughs) I did, I lived with my mom, and I only saw my dad every other weekend, and so mostly I was being exposed to her, and she was not as political Mm -hmm. as my dad. My uncle was, so I did get that when we were in the house with him, but that was only for a year. But my mom is kind of, she's a lot more subtle with her racism (laughs) and in that way it almost hurts even more because she thinks she has this huge heart and she's always like oh you got your brain from your father but you got your heart from me and I'm like really if I have your heart we got an issue because (laughs) you're over here like basically, like, she craps on, like, Mexican people. Mm. She craps on black people. Like, she just hates everybody. She's like, nobody should be allowed in this country. I'm like, you're a Jew. Like, don't you realize that, like, outside of New York, like, you are a minority. Like, people don't like you. They think you have horns. Like, it's not, (laughs) you're, like, not white in some places in this country. You don't even realize it because you live in a place where we're all Jewish and we don't know, which, you know, God bless her. She has a very tiny existence. It's like New York, Long Island, that's it. But because New York and Long Island, New Jersey, whatever, are so... Contained, you think? Contained. I mean, it's in a geogra- it's geographical, too. Yeah. Like, literally, Long Island is blocked from everything else. You have to go either above, below, or through Manhattan. And nobody fucking wants to do it. And Good. so a lot of people just don't leave. And it's got this weird little, like, insular culture where, like, it just kind of, like, you're just bouncing off of each other. And it's all these same people who, like, all lived on Long Island, all went to the same colleges, and then all came back to Long Island. And they all have the same ideas that, like, you need to be married by 30, and you need to have children by 34, and, like, you need to have one girl and one boy, and they must go to the best schools. And it's just, like, it's exhausting.
1: Do you think, because I'm from that area, and yeah. I remember what it was like? I yes. Remember, I remember uh, uh, the times I went to school with. Yes. But <laughs> I you have to think about where they were, in, I guess, when they came over to America. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, like we were talking about, they were the marginalized people right. of that era. Um, and so, for for white culture. And so do you think that has something to do with that? Because, like, I think if you look at Hispanics and black people, we don't always get along either. Mm-hmm. So do you think that it's that fight for that resource? Is that oh, yeah. fight, like, shit on them? So, Because it's that inherited trauma that I think that oppressed groups immediately jump to we gotta shit on the people that we can so I can feel better is that you know what I'm saying no
2: totally so do you think
1: that's where that comes from
2: I mean I think there's definitely gotta be a component of that involved but I I mean that's what always strikes me as like sad and ironic but also like kind of hilarious is that like while my mom and my dad are out there voting for Trump like we are, we're poor, yeah. like, we're Jewish, like, we're not really gonna benefit from a lot of his policies, certainly I'm not as a gay woman, yeah. and somebody who works in public schools, like, I'm not really gonna benefit from Donald Trump's policies, and yet here they are voting for him because they identify with that white American dream of, like, well, one day you'll be the millionaire, mm-hmm. and then you wouldn't want to be taxed this high, would you? Which is yeah. my dad's argument, and you're like... <laughs> You're never going to be a millionaire. Yeah. Dude, you're 72 years old. That ain't going to happen at this point. Keep playing the lottery all you want. But, like, you're not the 1%, and you're yeah. never going to be. So why don't you vote, like, the 99% in your own best interests? Mm-hmm. But I do think there's, like, that aspect of, like, let's see who gets in first place, right? Like, there's minimal resources. There's minimal jobs. And I also think that there's, a, like, this aspect that at least my parents have where it's, like, very self-congratulatory, self-congratu- where it's, like, I did it. Like, I'm the correct minority. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. We were poor. We were immigrants. What's wrong with the Mexicans? Why can't they do it correctly? And, like, of course they think everybody is Mexican yeah. just because they're south of Texas. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> right? Um, but so, it's this idea of, like, well, we came here legally and, like, so why don't you? You're like, you didn't come here legally. There was no law. Ellis like,
1: Island is literally a thing. is that legal? Was that legal?
2: Okay, even yeah. if Ellis Island was a thing, it's not like everybody came through yeah. Ellis Island yeah. Like, you've got the entire around. East Coast. Like, some people were in Maine. Some people were probably in Maryland. Some people, like, went to Florida. Not everybody mm-hmm. went to Ellis Island. Not everybody was logged. Right. I don't think my family's logged. Mm. So, like, what do you mean legally? Like, what? And we stole this land. Yeah. So, like, really, like, what? And this drag was. these people,
1: girl. <laughs> girl this, Hold the mic. Hold the mic boo. <laughs>
2: this is what I was screaming at my dad about. Of course, I was not this nice. And I was, yeah. like, shrieking in the car. I was, like, why can't you, like, understand? <laughs> no, of course, all the windows are down. Like people are staring at me. In the thing, but I'm like you, and he's like, "Well, well my ancestors came in legal." No, like, just it's just nonsense arguments. And so, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I understand that like minorities aren't always great to each other. But it's also like, man, like that's no excuse. Be better.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love. I love this. I love the fact that you are. Any cough. Oh no.
2: Okay. <clears throat> need a cough.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> out of the way. I love that you are sharing all this background because for so many of our listeners, I think it's important to realize that this is common. There are a lot of uh, white people, people with uh, privileged identities who do have these backgrounds, and their parents and their families and their cousins and everything else are terrible. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Or have these opinions. You know, we get it. We love them. They're you know, part of our bloodline, whatever, whatever. But how do you start to build that separation from them and it's probably a little easier for you because when you're queer you're like all right i'm I'm already separate i'm already a little separate so let's just get into that so what was the initial reaction to your your queerness
2: oh my god my mom's was hilarious it was like so just such a her moment because so i knew i was queer when i was 14 um, I had my first girlfriend <laughs> when I was 16. She's out there, girl. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> let,
0: me, I, let me tell you, let me be
2: Bitches yes, Early. Girl. I was trying to get married by 17. I was, like, trying to lock it down. Gotta, like, you know,
0: we're trying to tie, like, are, to you, are you, are you? you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen. First of all,
1: we
2: always find someone that's seven years older than us. Okay, excuse <laughs> me. Ten years later, I'm still single, so like, for all the ladies out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, she's
0: are actually saying going to put her at, you know, her Instagram, so you're going to follow her. Hell
2: fucking yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so I had my first girlfriend when I was 16, and I really, like, I wasn't Quite ready to tell my mom because like I would try it out by being like just this like very good ally who happened to be the president of the Queers and Allies Club. You're like, come on. I had rainbows all over my room. And my mom literally was like, Well, I just thought you liked rainbows. I was like, oh no. Because she has no idea what that means. But I was just like, oh my god, the signs were so obviously there. Like I wanted to shop in the men's section of Kohl's and so like I had slowly introduced her to these things, but I could tell that she was uncomfortable, so I didn't really know how to how to approach it, and then one day she walked in on me hooking up with my girlfriend, so that was the end of that. And traumatized. <laughs> it was so bad. I, like, leapt off my girlfriend <laughs> at the speed of light. Like, somehow my girlfriend did, like, some crazy James Bond move, like, wound up in the closet hiding, and I was like, well, I didn't even know how you got there. But then she was crying because she didn't want her parents to know that she was queer, yeah. and I was kind of dealing with having just accidentally come out to my mom and so i'm like trying to comfort her but also i'm like oh and so my mom had like as soon as she came in she left ran downstairs went to the basement i was like let me deal with this so i went downstairs and she's like folding laundry like furiously. and i come down the basement and i'm like so obviously we need to talk <laughs> and she just goes well, at least now you can't be pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> is that what she said? Yeah, that's like I is. can't be a teen mom. That like that was her greatest fear, and <laughs> now that at least at she least doesn't have to worry about
0: adventures, <laughs> about. adventures <laughs> while eating out, <God>, ladies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <It> is, <laughs> it is but, at least she always sees the silver lining. So, do, so it seems like you guys
1: have a good relationship, and she accepted that part. <laughs> <or>?
2: eh. <laughs> she She's laughing because she knows. Yeah, she she like. <laughs> Sort of accepted it for a while. She didn't, like, love my first girlfriend, so that was also rough. She loved Grace, though. She loved, yeah. loved Grace, who I was dating in college. But then I tried to bring, the first time I tried to bring Grace home to introduce her to my mom, um, her partner, who she's been with since I was, like, 10 years old. And he's also a bigot, uh-huh. which is ironic because he's an immigrant whose status is... Questionable, but anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, um, you hear that? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're not naming names, girl. But no, anyway, we're, we're say to their, their okay. names. But anyway, point being, it's like whatever. I don't love him. We don't get along. But when I was trying to bring Grace over, he was like, "Well, I don't think that Julie should be able." Oh, and I was trying to bring my other friend with me. It was me, Grace, and our other friend. And I was just trying to like bring my friends home to like see Long Island, how fucking weird it is, whatever. And I was like, we're just going to come and, like, go to the city and we're going to stay at at the house. And my mom's partner said to her, like, I don't think they should be in the house because I think they're going to have, like, lesbian orgies all over the place. And my mom was like, you know what? You're probably right. I bet they would and so she emailed me well she called me and she was like you know I think it would just be a treat for you girls if you would just go stay at the Holiday Inn instead and so she was like you know I'll put you up there you know it'll be like a treat I was like bitch this is not This is the most insulting. I was like, "This is my house." This man, he didn't move into the house until after I left. Uh, Yes, he did. In like the three months that I had been gone, and he was like, "I was like, this is my house." He's kicking me out of my own house. You're making me go to the Holiday Inn that's literally around the corner in Long Island. Like, who wants to be there? Nobody.
1: (laughs) But you know what? Why was me? You know, I was. I was. was, My parents were always wrong because I. That sounded like a treat for me too. I was like, "Okay,
2: girl." Well, yeah. And then I did have a lot of sex with my girlfriend because then I didn't have to worry yeah, I exactly. in a hotel. My idea
1: was so we bought a strap
2: oh on boy. and had a great time. God. But what I'm saying is, she didn't. She wasn't really good at accepting it. Now I think it's sort of like reluctant. She's just like, please get me grandchildren before I die. So she's like, just find anybody. Yeah, and we're gonna please. talk about
0: that a little later on. Oh in we actually are. Um, <coughs> sorry, y'all. Uh, I want to know about your outlets, because we did, uh, you know, contract Julie to be on the show to talk about art. Vaguely <laughs> <laughs> related. And we jumped shit from that. Daily, vaguely, vaguely related. Yeah, because after all that, <laughs> like, how do you deal? And, you know, as I sit here in drag, a lot of queer people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have our outlets, we have art, and we have you know, dissociation.
1: Yeah. Yo <laughs> You I'm got so the giggle sorry. today. Get it
2: out, bro. <laughs> so you got a giggle
1: sorry. baby in there. It's
0: yeah. <laughs> a really funny interview for me.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Cause I'm doing Gale impression. Yeah, it's a good idea. So, yeah, am, you like, go. turn, it so you turn it
0: on. Um sorry. So yeah, so for a lot of queer people, we need outlets. So Raphael is a screenwriter and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> not the air quotes. Not, first of all, not Raphael either. <laughs> Listen, Cameron. Cameron <laughs> I'll, re- re- I'll remind you to please that out But listen, dude <laughs> In a wing. You different. ain't gonna cover my screenplays that I have, I have written Imagine over I, boobs. I have written over a thousand pages Oh of my god, bitch. Don't get it twisted you I am a, a screenwriter I right yeah, right? can do anything on 72 honey <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: For a lot of queer people um, as we grow up we need different outlets um, music pretending you're Beyonce screenwriting <laughs> horror movies but for Julie Julie is an amazing artist she I have an art still in my actual office at Pokemon team
2: oh my
0: god stop so so thing are so thing. I love Julie's art and she has this like specific form of synesthesia am i right uh-huh what can explain that to us oh yeah Tell me what the conditions for the viewers
2: yeah it's called synesthesia and it's basically that and, and they don't know why it happens if it happens like when you learn how to read or like if it's like something weird happening in your brain whatever so nature versus nurture like everything else but um when i read or when i think about letters and numbers i see them in color and so, like, mm. I was always a good student because, like, I would, like, if I had to remember, like, somebody's name on a test, like, a, some, like, King Louis or whatever, like, that would be, like, black and yellow. So then I would just look for black and yellow. I'd be like, okay, word. And I would never, like, actually remember the person's real name, but I would remember, like, it's black and yellow and I'd look for that color. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so if I can't remember your name, like, I'll often ask you to spell it because that'll, like, give it a color code in my head. And then it's easier for me to remember. So It'll what's black <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> It depends how you spell your name. R A F F I. It's mostly red and brown.
1: Yes, red. Oh, see, Leo, girl. We yeah, did. red's My, a strong next, color. Don't ask
2: what's Nunu. What's Nunu's color? Oh, What's N U N U? N U N U is like like a maroonish, okay. reddish, purple, and like an orangey, goldish, yellow. See, I
1: told you, you gotta do those colors. I'm telling you,
2: <laughs> those <laughs> colors would look beautiful
0: on you. all Um. So. With art, how what, what was that process like for you when you were growing up, going between your parents' house, and what, what did that look like? What did your art be? Because your art is, like, cute.
2: Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's funny that you said dissociation, because I feel like art was my first dissociation, like, without a doubt, because when I was a kid, and it would just be me and my dad in his apartment, like, we wouldn't do much. I mean, like, this is, like, the 90s and the early 2000s. There was not really the internet, and certainly my dad couldn't afford it. Um, he had one of those big, huge TVs that he won in 1993 that was, like, you know, six feet tall and, like, three feet thick and it sat on the thing and we watched it constantly. And he liked to watch, like, World War II movies and forensic files and, like... I, I know. Forensic right. That's a oh, New York thing, too, I guess,
1: right? Because That's why I'm a true crime addict now. in their apartment.
2: That's That's why I'm a true crime addict now. He did that to me. But so like but I would be bored as a young child watching like old history channel shit whatever. And so I would always have a stack of paper with me and I'd always be drawing. And then like he would also take me to the bar, um which I don't know how the hell he got away with it. So I was like Eight, nine, ten years old. You could do that
0: back then. Remember, you could go to the liquor store with your parents back in the day. I guess so. I
2: feel like these days (laughs) they'd be like, "You cannot bring that child." (laughs) And I would sit at the bar. Like it's not like I was like chilling at a table. Like I was at the bar talking to the bartender. Like nine, ten, (gasps) and my dad would point to the women at the bar and be like, "I slept with that one, and that one, and that one. Your father's a whore master." And I'd be like. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be, like, chewing on a cheeseburger, like, I don't know what that means, like, and drawing and just, like, doing whatever. And that was my way of coping with the fact that, like, I had nothing in common with these, like, 50-year-old dudes at the bar. Like, what am I going to do? So
1: I drew. Yeah. Um, It's funny because I—the same thing. I remember, like, did you—like, what— what inspired you to draw though? What would get you to draw? What would you be drawing while you were drawing? Oh to animals.
2: I loved animals. Yeah. I was a big cartoon person and obviously loved Pokemon. Um, I was also really into the Powerpuff Girls for a while, so I was like yeah. drawing animals that had Powerpuff Girls Which one were you? eyes. Which oh, uh, well, obviously. It's gotta be Buttercup. Rowdy
1: boy.
0: boy. No. No. The ratty-
2: <laughs> no, I'm Buttercup because I'm angry and, like, I got black hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need, right? She's obviously supposed to be the lesbian. But there are parts of me that are bubbles. Like, I love animals, but I'm a Buttercup.
1: Um, your parents seem, like, while wow, they have their problematic nature, yes. they are super funny, I feel like. And they have a fire to them. Like, do, do you, like, that? I think that's where this comes from. Do you, like, so at least, do you see that in them? Is that what you value in them the most?
2: Yeah, I mean...
1: Yeah, what do you learn from your parents? Like, what, yeah, because what this is
2: like... Home? My dad is an interesting character because <laughs> while he's like the total opposite of me in terms of his politics and how he sees the world, he is also very similar to me in the fact that like we live parallel lives. Like We both spend our entire lives in our apartments smoking our various substances that we enjoy smoking (laughs) watching forensic files like by ourselves like and that is what we prefer to do and you know I'm sure that is because that's what I did with him for most of my early life and we both have depression and we both like struggle with our anger and our like past so when I get ramped up to like a hundred like I know that's my dad Mm -hmm. but like I do it I think for good reasons whereas like he does it for hateful reasons and my mom, I think I just have to kind of appreciate how much she loves me and, like, how much she tries to do for me and see her as a person yeah, in order to, like, empathize with I, her.
0: I agree fully because I, I think sometimes, you know, as we... To have these discussions, you see it on social media, you see it in comments, sometimes you're just like, have these family with your, you don't know, have these conversations with your family's white people. And sometimes they're just like, it's so hard. And maybe it's because a lot of times we're not acknowledging that, like, this is your family, you do love them, and they're human, and they can be funny people. I mean, racism is terrible, but. You
2: got to laugh or you're yeah.
0: going gonna to cry. <laughs> I mean, there, <laughs> I did there are terrible people that are hilarious and entertaining. Mm-hmm. And we know so many of our white friends yeah. who are
1: allies, but their parents are problematic. Trump supporters, do all these things, and they turn out different. It's, it's weird to construct a friend that has racist parents, for me at least, because I remember in North Carolina, it gets deep because mm-hmm. like I was not allowed to go to some people's homes and it'd be weird to bring someone home. Um, and But like I said... Do you, Did you ever bring someone of color home?
2: Um, well, it's difficult in Long Island because yeah. there are not a lot of people. Of color, at least in, well, in the town the, that I grew up yeah. in, there were not a lot of people. Of color. Like, Do you know where Bridgeport is? Yeah, but yeah. I'm from like the center of, of Long Island. Oh, okay. I don't want to say exactly what yeah. town but I want. I would not consider myself skinny, but that's that's my mom talking. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah. she's so in my Period. head. Period. And
1: that's something I had to talk about in therapy because I and I was talking this to him, the Uber driver on the way over here because it's just like You're people don't 500 understand. Five hundred pounds. In a child? Well, today,
2: <laughs> today five hundred I
1: um I I forgot my pants, my training pants, at home, so I needed uh, to borrow one of my coworkers, and he's in my mind half my size because he has a small waist and like he's like very lean. So he was like, just borrow my pants, and he's a small, and I was like, boo, that's not gonna fit me. Mm-hmm. Boo, fit me, and I was like. But, like, That's my, not your my, the, my perception is so off on my body. And I have a nutritionist now, and I'm hoping this will kind of, like, break that body more because I'm actually working for it now. And yeah. I, I've always worked for my body, but in such a different way. I was young because I was, I think, less traumatized when I was out of my household. I was in college. I was happier. And I was exercising more. Yeah. But now I'm really committing to my nutrition, and mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that kind of breaks, and I feel like I've earned it more. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. But 100, percent my uncle is in my head every time I say like I'm, I'm hard on myself for my body because I have no reason to.
2: Right. And
1: um, he he reminds me all the time because I feel he was the first person where I would always call us the big girls, mm-hmm. and he was like, "But you're not a big girl." Mm-hmm. And I never like understood that because yeah. I always see I always thought that me and him were like the same size, and I still think we I are know the same what size. Him is, babe. <laughs> Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. Sheep. I was about to say. Sheep. Like, body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I forgot. He's dead. <laughs> he's dead. He's damn.
2: But, he could just be in a coma
1: for a minute. But no, um, so that was that was hard to bring home. Yeah. He was overweight.
2: Yeah. Um, and I mean, and my uncle was like that too. Like if I like ate anything at Thanksgiving, he'd be like, like, I remember I was eating a cookie, he was like, you want to just glue that right to your ass? I was like, oh, thank you. And then I proceeded to eat the cookie. You know, like, and yeah. I probably have, like, a weird relationship with food as but a you result. got ass, yeah. I do oh, got I, that yeah. ass, Lucky yes. <laughs> <She made laughs> but that good urban dancing class, girl. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't think that I still have mm. problems accepting that part of my body, even though it's a thing that people like, because... My mom hates it, right? Yeah. Like a big ass is terrible to her. Yeah. But anyway, this she would be the most hateful and disapproving of my friends who were overweight, who I loved so much. Yeah. And I did not, like, I happen to, like, I guess be attracted to people yeah. who are more overweight. I call them fluffy. Yeah. I'm fluffier. I like fluffier people, whatever. And so, like, for me, I was just like, you're you're hurting these people that I love yeah. so much. And I don't see them as being... Like, she saw them as being disgusting. Yeah. And I was like, I think they're, like, sexy as hell. Like, what's your problem? Like,
1: do you think she's very... She must be hard on herself.
2: Oh, but she hates her body.
1: And hates so, it. Have you, like... like have you tried to find that compassion to maybe see that might unlock something, or do you think it's just she's way in there? And she hasn't been ignored or do you think she's been told, You're really hard on yourself. You I
2: okay? mean, I, I remember when I first went to Smith and I like heard the good news of feminism and I yeah. came <laughs> back for the first time and I was like, Mom, you know like you don't have to adhere to like the gendered expectations of blah 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 and she was like, No, Jolie, you have to hate your body, otherwise you're blown out. And so, so like pushed- <laughs> In her (laughs) mind, that's how you police yourself. That's how you avoid becoming a huge, fat, nasty person, according to her. So she's
1: just like, she, she, but. You just hate
2: yourself. You have to. Otherwise, you will be. How is your relationship
1: with her mother? And how's your relationship with your father's parents, with him?
2: So, my mom's relationship with her mom was like similar to my relationship with my mom, where they were like always fighting. It's It's a cycle. And she would always say, like, don't copy this don't copy this and i'm like well how can i not though and but i think that part of it is also that she didn't consciously break that cycle she would just say don't do as i do Mm -hmm. do as i say and i feel like if i ever do have kids that would be something that i'm gonna have to consciously work on because i would never want to replicate this relationship again (laughs) and it's been like several generations that it's lasted let's,
0: let's jump to that question blow down the
2: list.
0: Uh-uh. But so I know you want to start a family. Yes. And you know all of us except for some want to have kids because we yeah. have so much love to give, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um but how do you plan to change that curse? I know you said, you know you got to tell yourself these messages, but like really what is the plan to not end up <laughs>
2: like- I think about that every day. Especially cuz like it's got to be one of my greatest fears, right? Like I said like My dad and I have the same life. We have parallel lives right now. And so, like, it is so easy for me to just, like, see myself turning into that and just, like, Mm. remaining that way for the rest of my life. And so, like, I just feel like it's got to be a very conscious effort to be different from him and to be different from my mom. And if I do raise kids, to raise them in a way that was different and to do what they didn't do, which I think is to admit my flaw. Not my flaw, my fault, maybe and be able to, yeah, they didn't really do that until it was way too late, and then my mom would, like, use me as her therapist. Yeah. And so then it was like, well, this is way too much, and I can't handle seeing this raw vulnerability. But, like, she wouldn't cuddle me when I was a kid. Like, we never snuggled. The first kid I met, like, my friend who was a gay boy in high school was like, I'm going to go home and snuggle with my mom. And I was like, you're going to what? He's like, I'm going to snuggle with mommy. Like, I'm going to hang out with mom. We're going to watch TV tonight. Fucking poofs (laughs) I was like are you kidding me me. oh my god that's adorable right my mom didn't like not even when I was a child did my mother cuddle me like I don't remember being cuddled or snuggling with her like I don't remember any of that and so she was not like a motherly mother Mm. and so I feel like First of all, I feel like it probably influences my search for the kind of person that I'm into, which tends to be, like, a motherly individual. Yeah. But <laughs> there you go. Just like Nunu, she is most motherly. The mother calls me Nunu. They call me mother, <laughs> indeed. Um, but, yeah, um, I think that... I'm just going to have to do a really hard job. I think also empathy is yeah. going to be the main thing. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, this is something that I think about a lot because I'm a counselor. But people just, like, they forget what it's like to be a child. They forget what it's like about to be eight. a teen. Yeah. And they're just, like, they're so ready to grow up and they're so ready to be, like, oh, I'm older than you. I'm superior. Like, I can't stand when people yeah. our age even will be, like, oh, I'm so old and these people are so young. It's, like, we get it. Yeah. Things have changed since you were a child. Yeah, like, and people have been saying that to us ever since we were children, and it was annoying when they said back in my day to us, so why would you want to say back in my day to other people? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, so like, but I feel like in this rush to be like, oh, back in my day, like, I'm so mature, people forget what it's like to be a kid, and what it's like to be a teenager, and that's something that I don't want to forget, because I want to be able to meet my kid where they're at emotionally.
1: Let's go back to Forensic Files because I, <laughs> <laughs> I can go from children. No, no I have a good question. I, Child when I, when I watch Forensic Files, yeah. I watch it with my sister. I used to watch it with my sister. Yeah, so it's a way to connect to
2: her when right. I watch
1: it. Do you think that's how you maintain your relationship or that that comfort with your
2: father? Oh, totally. Yeah, because yeah, when we fought this weekend, when we went home, we like watched Forensic Files. In Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone. Yeah. I was like, let's watch something creepy, like that's what we like together. So
1: how about like to like kinda of start working on that compassion and breaking the cycle? What lean in. like I feel like talk maybe talking, bring that to your father. Or like even telling him, you know what, when I like watch Forensic Fowl and I know that's hard because like being vulnerable with your family oh my is God, like, so, so freaking hard. hard. But I've done that with my dad where I'm like or I've done that I've done that with my sister like I would like to watch friends, not even because I like friends on the show anymore. Mm. I know. But because I know, like, I like I'll watch either. it just if I need to, like, feel... Like, think about my sister's laugh.
2: Yeah. Because my sister's
1: laugh is so funny when she watches that show. Aww. She, like, cracks up. So, like, that. She don't watch like the Parkers. And... No, we watch the Parkers. Okay. Yeah, we watch the Parkers, too. But she, uh... She... Yeah, that's a way that we connect together. So yeah. I feel like if you show that compassion, it might, like, heal something. Because it's there. It's there. And you guys clearly love each other if you guys after a fight knew what to do to kind of get back into that equilibrium you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah. so maybe that's a kind of way to kind of like break that cycle even further and so you're not in this weird space of I know I should be trying to work on that cycle but you know we push it off because I'm doing the same thing with my brother mm-hmm. I want to uh, kind of mend that because i realized that he was well we'll get into that in the other episode yeah, you know? yeah.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to know I'm going to push that question a little further so, let's say you have a, a child that mm-hmm. has a lot of privilege. How do you, and I mean, we don't have the answer. I'm just brainstorming. But how do you, as a white person with maybe a white child, teach them that they don't have that privilege? Like, honestly, and, and, I, and I mean, we say as people color, you know, accept your privilege, blah, blah, blah. But how do you really show that? Like, show. Without doing it all the time or doing it too much. Right. Or not affecting Self-esteem. Not that it felt self-esteem, but I feel like you have to be like, I'm privileged.
2: Yeah. No, right, but then you also risk being those people who are, like, the stereotypical white person who's like, oh, like, Johnny gives all of his money to homeless children because yeah. he needs to learn that poverty is real. And you're like, okay, well, I hate you, too. Yeah. So yeah, you I, risk that line and as well. So it's well. just a real
0: question. I know there's never gonna like an answer, but I'm wondering, like, how? like, how do we really— break these cycles. Like. Through
1: representation. Hey, by
2: exposing
0: yeah. people
1: to different people. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like you don't have to because like I said even um, I think our friend Evan he grew up at, he said that he went to a black high school and then he, it, it kind of made it easier for him to I feel like hang out with. Yeah, I love less. white people that went to black schools because it, it's just so much easier to it, deal with them because like that's what it is, it's <laughs> it like, is and they, they and, know and, 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 but, 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 but period I think white people do understand that there is a level of privilege with the white skin it's, 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 well they're they, learning they're, they're definitely learning, learning. learning. But, like, yeah. but some people don't some people have, know the privilege and are okay with that privilege. That's a difference. Because like, why would you be, though? We talk about this in the show, but, like, if you could just if it's live your life to, without having to do no work, well... It's it. also... If it's a way to maintain your self-esteem, because that's what it is. Right. And so, racism is a way to keep your Right. You feel
2: up. proud. I'm yeah. on top because I deserve to be. Yeah. And um, I did the work necessary... No, you didn't. Yeah.
1: So, um, are we about to... Because I have a question for the end. I have a question, too. So, yeah. what would you tell other
0: white people about having crucial conversations with... Problematic family members.
2: Oh my God! What would you tell them? Because I always advocate
1: talk to your racist family. Yes, so this not but it's cause hard. Yeah, because I can see now talking to you how hard it would be. Because I would be like, it uh, would be hard. Maybe they pull
0: on deaf ears. It might be super awkward, and so for some people in this world, it could cause more issues, yes. especially if mm-hmm. your parents are supporting you financially or any other way. So I just want to know what your take on is. It
2: a couple things. I mean, first of all, like this is something that I get really passionate about because as somebody who knows how hard it is to confront your parents about this and how disgusting i felt because i this weekend i called my dad a horrible person and i told him that i couldn't wait for his generation of old white fuckers to die which is horrible oh, wow. to say to yeah. your father and but true. Yeah. but true yeah and i love him but i also can't wait for his generation of old white fuckers to die and those two things are true at the same time yeah And so I know how hard it is to say that to And I felt terrible after I said that. I didn't say I want you to die, but, like, it still feels bad to say that to your father. And so I get what it takes. And I just, like, I hope that any white people who see anything in their family members that they don't like or that is hateful or that is, like, detrimental to anybody's rights that they have those conversations because it doesn't necessarily have to always be a fight. It doesn't always have to necessarily be like a huge passionate argument. But like for me, sometimes like I love, I love to make jokes with my dad. Like he was like getting on my nerves so much. And he was like, you know, you just want it to be like a socialist country. And I was like, I do. I want to be queen of the socialist country. And I want no one to have guns. I'm going to take away all of your guns. (laughs) And um, everyone can only speak Spanish because that's like what he would hate most. And uh, no white people allowed and no men. And, like, I'll say that to him, right? And he's like, okay, yeah, lol. And, like, we don't get into a fight. But in that way, I've shown him, like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'm not budging. This is my line. And I think that there's also some freedom in that. It's hard when you're first doing it. And until you get used to saying it, it's really, really hard. But once you're like, this is how I am. Like, yes, I I can be a socialist, sure, if that's what you want me to be. Like, my whole family calls me a liberal lefty. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sure.
1: <laughs> the, that way, too, for you is so, like, natural, though, because you come from a very funny family. And yes. That, and, of course, you're going to target it with your humor, and because it's the easiest way. But right. I feel like a lot, like, I feel like I know some people with their f- parents... Their parents don't have that same character. Right. They have that like annoying character. <laughs> I just, you got
2: to meet them wherever yeah, they are. Wherever like the however you talk. Lies.
1: Whatever humanity lies with that family, you have to target. It. But a lot of people don't even know themselves. So which brings me to a very like obvious question. But would you like show this to your parents? Because it it we've kind of encompassed every kind of question I've had for for white people with with parents that are problematic. Right. So how would would you show them this podcast? And what do you think this would do?
2: Um, I think it would really hurt them, but so that's why I wouldn't because the way that I'm talking about them, right? Like I'm letting my true emotions show. I'm, I'm showing you guys that like, this has hurt me and I'm angry and I'm sad and like, it hurts me. And so like, that's why I'm funny about it. And like, but that's raw and that's maybe not emotion that I need them to see. Like they don't need to necessarily know that. Like I didn't need to tell my dad, I can't wait for your generation to die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they do need to hear when they are incorrect and I call them out on that. Does he
1: know that you didn't mean that that way? Or yes, like, we, the
2: next morning I was yeah. like, I'm sorry, like, yeah. I didn't mean it that way, like, also, like, I need to readjust my medication Because I just know that yeah. has
1: to, that, yeah, I might, <laughs> but I But I just know, that, I feel like, I, like I said, I've seen parents, and I mother and daughter, fathers and daughters are very specific. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that must have hurt him.
2: I really, Oh, it's got to, yeah. And yeah. so
1: I think that, I'm glad that you apologized for it, cause, or not even apologize, but like, no, it's like, Yes, I don't take it back, but, like, right. I really, like, I don't want to have these conversations with them. Right. And that's why I do. I would hope that if they did listen to us, they would kind of hear that, yes, it might hurt them, but you're, they've hurt you. Right. And that's also valid, and that's also important. And they have to accept that accountability, like... If, you, they can be racist, but they have to acknowledge that this is hurting you. And it all comes right. from a place of love.
0: And, yeah. love, and love is really what, what drives it all. Because I, I can tell they
1: love you. I can oh, tell they love you. Oh, they
2: that. both love me so and, much. And that's yeah. also very apparent because I'm their only child. Yeah. And so all of their energy has always come towards me. And so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's also then... It's a weird curse and blessing. It's a weird yeah, like, curse and you have blessing. To, like, do
0: everything on your own, and you take on like when your parents start being a little bit more human, and raw, you take on like, their emotions. It's just so much. you, or, and you're like. But I
2: think that's part of the problem. I think that's why a lot of people don't confront their parents is because they're worried that they're going to upset them, right? And yeah. what is the point of upsetting them if they're just going to die soon anyway? Which yeah. I think that a lot of people our yeah. age think. Which, Especially when you get into the late twenties, Gary, you're like, ooh. yeah, but they're <laughs> not going to die soon. I mean, yeah. look, my dad is seventy-two, and I'm screaming at him like he's not going to die tomorrow. He can still be a better person. Yeah, and like that's a. Growth mindset, girl. And that's a, that's okay, a healing and I feel
1: like that's a healing moment that you wouldn't want to lose, you know. Because, like I said, it clearly still there. That compassion, that want to have an, like a like an intimate relationship with your father is still there because you want to. Uh, you still go to like forensic files to cope with it and stuff like that. So that coping is still there. So I think that, like I said, it, I. I would test the waters, but I want, I, I'm just fascinated to see if they would actually if, I, if they heard you.
2: He said, a, "No more politics from me." Oh, uh, Okay, and Oh, that's
1: a big step, though. Come that on. is Help a big step. Se- yeah. Look,
2: <laughs> he can't he can't actually hold that true. The next time we hang out, we will be talking <laughs> politics. But for him, that is a big step. That's to a say, big
1: step. Yeah because, no like, more. yeah, because it's like kind of like fine. Like it's a putting of respect into your conversation,
2: right. almost. Like it's not, like I'm not going to convince you. Yeah. Which finally, that I'm 30 years old. I think it's like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm not going be able to mold your brain into a Republican Nazi. You're 30? I know, bitch, I'm old. I don't you turned 30 this year. I do, well, yeah. it's coming. Well, oh I got my. three more months. I was about to be like, what? I got three more months <laughs> of my 20s left, and I am not using them, so.
0: <laughs> one final important question. How do I look?
2: Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: I guys. You Thank
1: you for
2: listening. We no. <laughs> do have
1: the last question, right? We're gonna do the... No, we'll you, juice, can, you can... So the final question we usually ask our our new interviewers or interviewees is, uh, "What would you say to little Julie if she was sitting right here and I wasn't there? And like little Julie is out there drawing and like at a bar and hearing all these things that they didn't understand? How like knowing what she was going through, knowing what they were going through, knowing what you were going through as a child? Yes, what would you say to her to like kind of console her? Because there's a I'm telling you, there's another Julie out there right now that could be listening. So
2: yeah." I mean, I think there's there's two different things. I mean, because for 9-year-old Julie, I would just say I would just give her love because mm-hmm. I think that's what 9-year-old Julie needed more than anything else was love. Hug. I'd give her a hug. Um, but for 14-, 15-year-old Julie, like baby queer Julie, who is just, like, dying to break out of that house and that toxicity and those politics, like, you will make it and you will be okay. And the anxiety and the fear that you have... While it's motivating isn't warranted because you will get there yeah and everyone will eventually get there and I think I still need to tell current Julie that sometimes yeah and buy some goddamn dental damn <laughs> 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 You I'm going fuck up a moment.
1: I'm not going <laughs> to comment scratch. on that.
2: Record scratch. I'm not, <laughs> not going to comment on that because I personally don't use them, and I know that that's incorrect. We, so have,
1: we, have you used them? Oh, yeah. Bitch,
2: no one uses <laughs> dental zam, but I'm not no supposed way. to say that because I, I influence would teenagers. Never. I would go soft. Okay, it's you like mean? the most. I'm Are sorry. This is like, okay, whatever. Nobody should listen to me at this point. This is not advice, but I'm just saying. But no
0: one uses it. That's a fact. Nobody a uses it because, fact.
2: I'm sorry, if I'm about to go down on you and I'm like, oh, wait, your vagina is so disgusting, I need to just put this piece of bologna <laughs> over it first before i just uh lightly touch it with my uh with the tip of my tongue like i'm sorry you hate vagina that's why you are it that. you got to really tasting it like you'd it, you would want to come on just don't
1: taste it
0: <laughs> um um oh but really yeah lock your doors kids
2: <laughs> 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 I, you, oh, that's on? not the way you want to come out, guys. Lock your door. <laughs>
1: okay. Can you imagine?
2: But, ladies, I'm still available. <laughs>
1: available but where they, can they find you if they're interested? On you have Instagram, an Instagram,
2: I do. Yes, you can find me at Julie C Doodles with an S, not a Z. Uh, that's my Instagram um, and my art Instagram. Of course. Stunning,
0: stunning. Um, any last takeaway messages you want to give to our amazing, wonderful listeners?
2: Um, I think just my, like my number one thing as a counselor, my number one thing that I would tell little Julie is you might not be able to create physical space for yourself to get away from your family and to like be away from all of the crazy, but you can always create mental space and art for me was that way to create that mental space. And and I think mindfulness is very cool and that's like coming up now. And so like, I think... Finding your thing that gives you the mental space is so crucial for anybody who feels trapped in a family where they're not understood.
0: Yeah, you have uh, control in some way, shape, or form, and we don't be afraid to have these important conversations with family members because we know it's hard, but we all need to work together to save this planet, yeah, country, yeah.
2: And yes, girl,
0: humanity. The children are the future. Oh, my God. So, I am Nunu Paris, y'all. And I'm Rafi. And. And
2: I'm Julie.
0: And this has been another episode of.
2: Wait, don't do it. Yay. Yes.
0: Yes. Adios, niños. Subscribe to us on iTunes and shit. And We're on every single on Instagram, Instagram and, and shit. Like,
1: literally pay me.
0: Oh, my gosh. See you later. Bye.